Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Masks Off. I'm Kim. And I'm Tia. And today we have Allison Lieberman with us. And I'm so excited to be recording. I feel like it's been a while since we have recorded a podcast. So, and it's definitely been a minute since we've had a guest speaker. So welcome, Allison. We're so excited to have you here today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. So as always, we start with a quote. So I will read the quote and then I'll let Allison introduce herself to us. And the quote is, anxiety happens when you think you have to figure out everything all at once. Breathe. You're strong. You got this. Take it day by day. And that's by Karen Salmonson. I kind of love that quote because not only is it like about the anxiety, but certainly I can feel that as a recovering perfectionist, one who wears the perfection mask. So I feel like that part about the anxiety happens when you think you have to figure out everything all at once. And that certainly pertains to new moms for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, where's the freaking handbook on parenting, right? (laughs) Number one, no one tells us, especially in the beginning. So, and I know that you have lots of experience and expertise in talking about being a new mom and even talk to us about postpartum anxiety. And if you just want to share who you are and what your story is. Yeah, I love that quote. Um, I think it's a good depiction of exactly what anxiety is. So that was a good choice. Um, So yeah, my name is Allison Lieberman. I am a marriage and family therapist in California. I have two toddlers that are wild and crazy, (laughs) but they keep me busy. (laughs) I bet. Um, And I specialize in working with moms postpartum, more specifically postpartum anxiety because of my own postpartum anxiety struggles Mm. with both my children with my son, he was born a few weeks early. And so he had a overnight in the NICU and that sort of kicked off my anxiety that I already had, but it just sort of carried now over into parenting and all of that. And when I realized that it really got bad is that I was having these like vivid images of him drowning in a pool And I couldn't sleep at night. And so um, I was sort of trying to figure out what was going on. My anxiety had never been to this point before. And I couldn't find anybody that knew what was happening. And so I was doing my Google research, as I always do, because I need all the answers to everything. (laughs) And (laughs) I found this whole space that specializes in perinatal mental health. So that's preconception all the way through postpartum. And I mean, I was a licensed therapist at this point, so I had never heard of this and Mm -hmm. that already was a red flag to me, but then having experienced it, I couldn't believe that I had been to therapists and psychiatrists and nobody had mentioned postpartum anxiety to me. So I being an anxious person and a completionist was like, now this is my mission. I will now be (laughs) this person. And so I got the certification. I started my own practice and then I got pregnant with my daughter and had her the first week of COVID. So my anxiety sort of came back full force 
Um, and then I sort of shifted into that, like need to do everything all the time. Cause now there's two, not one, and I need to be on all the time. And so that really impacted my anxiety more. And I actually ended up with shingles at one point because I was so anxious. I couldn't regulate it. And then I finally found a therapist that could help me. And even though I knew all the stuff that I was supposed to be doing, I couldn't regulate it because really what was happening is it was tied to stuff that I was avoiding from my childhood and my past. And that was all coming out now. So that's a long winded way of saying this is why I'm here. (laughs) Uh, I love that. I, I love that. And what I hear is that we often will teach what we've learned, right. Or what we've experienced. So what you've experienced, like it was your quote unquote hot mess, but it's become Mm -hmm. your message. Yes. So what you've gone through is what you are now helping others. So I also have never heard of postpartum anxiety. I've always heard of postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. So what's the difference between the two? Yeah, it's a great question. So um, if you were familiar, your listeners are familiar, the DSM-5 is sort of like our our therapy Bible, for lack of a better word. And so that has all the diagnoses you could have if you have any mental health issues. And postpartum depression is an official diagnosis in that. Postpartum anxiety is not. So that in itself is a good indicator as to why we haven't heard of it. It's because our medical profession doesn't recognize it at this point as a mental health disorder. So the biggest difference between the two is if you can look at the postpartum anxiety as like you're activated and postpartum depression is sort of the opposite, right? So the activation and postpartum anxiety, it really manifests in a few different ways. There's the postpartum PTSD, which is related to any sort of trauma Mm -hmm. that you either had prior to that is now triggered or having a traumatic birth or postpartum experience that's sort of under that anxiety umbrella. You have postpartum OCD, which is where you have like those intrusive thoughts or the need to clean a lot. There's more to that, but I'm very much just simplifying it. Um, And then there's just generalized anxiety. So that consistent worrying, feeling like you are just never doing enough, Mm -hmm. not being able to sit still, not being able to turn off your brain, all of that. And that's the difference with the postpartum depression is postpartum depression. There's a lot more sadness. Maybe you aren't getting out of bed as much. You're having Mm -hmm. a hard time functioning. You're sort of an over-functioner when you have anxiety. Wow. The do, do, do having to do it all to try to control and manage when in reality, that's just a coping mechanism. Exactly. Well, first of all, I just want to say, where were you 23 years ago when I had my son? (laughs) I so needed you. Oh my God. I had all of it. Like I did, you know, even the before and the after, and then having the traumatic, I had two traumatic deliveries. I didn't know that that would be considered like PTSD. You know, I, I hemorrhaged when I had both of them. And with my second, I, well, I had toxemia. I hemorrhaged during delivery. My uterus wouldn't close down. 
I hemorrhaged two weeks postpartum, like went home and then hemorrhaged again, was on bed rest was now Tia can tell she was on bed rest before she had her twins for like 13 weeks. I was on bed rest after because, so I wouldn't hemorrhage again, talk and then not even being able to take care of this like newborn that I had that was five weeks early. Cause they had yeah. to induce me like, where were you, Allison? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I love that you're saying that because that is the number one thing that I get from people when I tell them what I do is, yeah. you know, new moms or moms to be are like, Oh, okay. Like, cool. But moms who have been through it <laughs> and are now looking back are right. like, where were you? I yeah. needed someone like you. And I, it's sort of that hard in between, which is like, you want somebody to know that you're available to help them. Right. But they don't know that they need the help because nobody's recognizing it as a problem. Right. So it's sort of like this perpetual thing, but I would say you're probably the hundredth person to say that to me. (laughs) It was not like, you know, some moms are like, Oh, I love being pregnant or I loved having kids. You know, it was not that at all for me. I, and first of all, so we are masks off. And so every now and, you know, I always say I'm taking my mask off and I'm fully exposing. So I'm doing that right now. I'm honestly saying that, and I tell my kids this, so they won't be shocked if they listen to this episode, they have heard me say this, that I did not want to have either one of them. Like I didn't want to have kids. It was more. I, that social conditioning of that whole path, like went to high school, went to college, got my master's degree, got married. Now I'm 30 years old. And like, my husband's like, okay, are we having kids? And inside I had so much fear and anxiety around being a mom and having kids before even so I had all that, like, no, but I never voiced it. Mm-hmm. I never voiced that. I just went along with it and had kids. Followed now, the path yeah. we were told to take, right? It was the, right. I mean, I didn't even know to like, I, I internally, I knew I didn't want to like, I shouldn't say that. I didn't even know if I really ever wanted to be a mom. I just had so much freaking fear around it all. And it was, you didn't even think twice because it was what we were supposed to do. It was just the path. It wasn't even like you challenge it and think twice about it. Well, and 23 years ago, there was no support really around, oh, you don't want to have kids. That's great. Like, that's wonderful that you've made that decision. And it's funny because I work with, you know, postpartum moms, but I also just happen to attract a lot of young adults in my practice. And a lot of them are young adults that are like, I don't want kids. Yeah. And so, yeah. And I think it's great to be able to admit that and own it and know that for whatever reason, it's just not something that you want or you're unsure and you want to explore it. I think similarly, like I I knew that I wanted kids if it worked out and if it didn't that was okay too like I mm-hmm. I didn't really have a preference either way and then my after we had my son I had told my husband like I think I'm good I don't think I need another one <laughs> and he was like no like we have to have another one and I was like I don't know if I want to and yep. then 
my daughter, I was not planning on having her. So <laughs> that was sort of yeah. out of my control in that moment. But of course, like I love my kids no matter what, but Me it's too. hard. It is it's really hard. And so when you're deciding to take on the responsibility of guiding a human through life and being in charge of teaching them morals and values and all of that, like yeah. a lot of pressure. Yeah. Well, and the work that Tia and I do, cause well, more Tia, she's a conscious parent coach. And so a lot of that in conscious parenting is not about the kids have to do. It. It's about doing our own inner work. It's about raising our own inner child and healing from our own past. And I personally, and, and T and I have shared our st- story many times. I didn't do my work before I had kids. I was like a little kid raising kids, you know? So, yeah. and all of my childhood stuff was being projected onto yeah. them. And, you know, it was ne- it's never about me at that time. <laughs> I have since thankfully and gratefully learned that it was about me and I did need to change and I did need to grow and heal. Well, and I think it's important too, like Allison in your story, you know, so, you know, Kim's been through that. I've been through that. And even in your introduction, you recognize like I was anxious and then this came up and it brought up all my stuff from the past. And so, you know, most people don't do the work. It's becoming more Mm -hmm. common that younger adults are starting to explore and look at that, but many weren't. And so all of a sudden you now have a new burn and now all of a sudden all your old stuff is like front and center and you can't escape it. And so you either bury it and just go into coping skills or Mm -hmm. you get help from someone like you and taking that brave step to find someone like you who specializes in that or a parenting coach or whoever, or a combination of both, right? Yeah. Is such a sign of strength so scary and so hard to do. So how, Mm -hmm. when, when you have people who are in the thick of it, who can't necessarily see it, like you said, you know, that's that hard, like, Oh, Mm -hmm. I can help you. There's people who can help you, but they don't even realize it because they're in that coping skill. How do they find you? Or how do you help? Like, are you working with physicians who now are getting more educated? You know, cause I don't know if you have NAMI in your state, but like, there's the it's becoming more common to talk about infant mental health and parent mental health through that organization. So is that helping get the word out? Cause it's your mission and it's so needed and so important. So how do you reach these people who need help to, you know, like Kim was saying, take the guilt mask off, take the perfectionism and say like, Hey, I'm anxious because of X, Y, Z. And I have the ability to rise up and do better not do better in a perfection for myself, for my kids, for my family, for everything. That's a great question. We do have NAMI here. Um, They're not, as far as I know, super involved in the perinatal space. There's um, locally, we have 2020 mom, which is a nonprofit that helps advocate for um, maternal health rights in the U S and So that's great. You know, they're going to Congress. I'm a member of mom Congress. Like there's definitely stuff that's going on in the background, which is wonderful. And they just launched, um, PSI or postpartum.net just Mm -hmm. launched their maternal mental health 
hotline or maybe it's a helpline. I don't want to say it's a hotline. It could be a helpline, but um, that is more specific to moms that are struggling as opposed to just a general suicide hotline, right? So there are definitely things that are happening, but again, we're in this place of, we don't know that we need the help. So how do we find the help? Right. And I think that what's really wrong with part of our medical system is that there's a lot of ego and um, it's hard to get in with doctors and talk to them and educate them because they have gone to school for a long time and they've earned the right to their degree, but they also aren't wanting to learn from a marriage and family therapist how to work with moms, right? So it's sort of having to find different ways because I, I created a coaching company and the reason behind it was because I would have loved when I left the hospital to get a binder where they told me, don't look at this yet. Don't even, I probably would have when I got home, but still, <laughs> I would <have> too. <laughs> don't look at this yet, but when you're struggling with X, Y, and Z flip to the tab and you're going to see all the people that specialize in that. And you can find those people in your area. Right. So that's sort of like where my mindset came from of like, I want to create that middle line because therapy is after the problem has set in and it's become a problem as opposed to preventative. And we don't have preventative care right now. We just don't. So, I mean, ideally my book would come to fruition, but that's going to take forever to get hospitals to want to pass those out. So I created a podcast to talk to any professionals that are available that provide any type of service to new moms, expecting moms, people that are trying to conceive so that they know that there is one space they can go to that has that information. And I try to target it also towards providers so that the providers, if they want to listen to it, can learn stuff about it too. Because in the therapy world, there's providers that are doing therapy with postpartum moms that shouldn't be. Mm, And that as a perinatal specialist, we all sort of get very protective of our respective niches because we don't want to see the clients come in and be like, yeah, I have this therapist that made my problem worse. Mm, Right. And so there's an art in saying this is above where I can help you and you need to find a specialist. And so it's definitely a work in progress. I think part of that is actually acknowledging that postpartum anxiety is a thing and talking about it more and getting it out there and maybe even getting hospitals to start talking about that. In addition to postpartum depression, when you're about to leave, you know, you get the pamphlets and everything about postpartum depression, but they don't talk about anything else. And I'm sure after your traumatic birth, Kim, that they weren't like, Oh, by the way, you might have some anxiety after this. (laughs) None, none whatsoever. I can assure you that the mental emotional piece was never addressed with me. And also, like you said, um, with your son in the neonatal unit, my son, my, my firstborn went back into neonatal, um, after he was a week old because he was dehydrated. So he was in the NICU for like four days, like, you know, and so what I would want to maybe bring in and kind of bring to the end of our discussion that we mentioned before we started recording is 
the guilt that moms can experience and feel. And while, okay, so I did actually blame myself and felt tremendous guilt that my son at a week old had to go into the NICU unit because he was severely dehydrated because he couldn't latch on. And because I kept having like, you know, the doctor saying, Oh no, you just, just keep trying, keep trying. We'll get you the la leche ladies. I had the la leche ladies come like, and my son would cry for 45 minutes trying to latch on and couldn't, and barely, you know, would probably pass out sleeping. Cause he was so tired. And then, so then it was like, you know, well, I can't even feed my son. And now he's, and I won't, and I wouldn't because everybody was like, Oh, formula is bad. You got to do breast yeah. milk, you know? And it's like, you got to do it this way and be perfect. And now my son's in the hospital. And is it my fault? Because I couldn't feed him, you know, and all this stuff that like, I learned later looking back one is well, I couldn't have known at the time, but I have Sjogren's. So when you have Sjogren's, you're moisture producing glands are very dry. So mm. I couldn't produce milk because of that. I didn't know I had Sjogren's at that time. And Sjogren's is a thyroid issue, correct? It's autoimmune. There's a lot of okay. thyroid okay. complications with Sjogren's, but it's autoimmune, very similar to like lupus and things like that. And then on top of it, double whammy, my son was tongue tied and didn't know he was tongue tied. So he couldn't latch on, but so, and then there's a host of a whole bunch of other things that new moms can feel guilt from. So Mm -hmm. do you want to talk about the guilt and how we just wear that mask of, we have to be super mom and perfect. Yes. And actually I think I have a good story for this that sort of pulls all of these things together. So my son has a speech delay. And he turned three like a year ago. And when he turned three, I don't know if it's different in other states, but in California, he transitions from our local regional center to the school district. And he does the whole IEP testing and all of that. So I took him to the IEP testing. And prior to this, like I had felt a lot of guilt about his speech delay because somehow it was my fault. I don't know how. I don't know how I contributed to it, but I knew it was my fault. That was for sure. The rest of it was just details. And every doctor I went to, every professional I went to was like, how did you not realize? How did you not realize? And I was like, that's a great question. I wish I knew how I didn't realize. This is my first child. I didn't know he had a speech delay, (laughs) right? So the whole process, I am being told in some capacity that it's my fault. I feel guilty, all of that. And so- I get to his assessment for his school and the setup was terrible. It was like middle of summer is really hot. There was a playground right outside was covered in toys. They wanted him to sit at this desk and only answer their questions. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't going to do it. Mm -hmm. One, he couldn't verbalize it, but two, he's a three-year-old boy seeing toys And this is in the middle of COVID too, right? So like he hasn't been around kids or in a school or anything like that. So um, we're doing this and I'm, I'm getting into that sort of that conscious parenting piece of like, I'm, I'm losing my cool, but on my kid, because Mm -hmm. he's not listening. And this person is making me feel like he needs to be sitting here. And I know in my gut that that is not the right thing. Mm -hmm. 
but this is the professional. They know best and they should be able to manage the situation. And there was, we were there for probably an hour and a half, just this constant back and forth, back and forth. And then the, the speech pathologist said to him, if you don't sit down and do this, I'm going to call your dad. Oh no. And I was like, shocked, but like, you know, you hear like the fight, flight or freeze. I like to think I'm a fighter, <laughs> but I froze. I was like, that I'm sitting here and you said that and to her point is he probably would have started yelling at my son but that's not how I want to parent him that's why I'm the one there (laughs) right so I left and I didn't say anything that whole time about how inappropriate it was and I left and I was just hysterical I called my mom. I was crying. I called my husband. I was like, I don't know what to do. I think I just scarred our kid forever. (laughs) This was terrible. He didn't even do the assessment because it was like just trying to get him to sit down. And I remember going to my therapist and we were talking about it and, and it was like, why can't you just say something? Like, what was it that froze you? And it took me a while to figure it out. And I actually listened to this podcast that Oprah was a guest on. Gotta love Oprah. Um, And she said that she struggles with her trauma as like, she doesn't speak up because she's afraid that her brain goes back to when she was a kid Mm -hmm. and her grandma used to beat her up. Mm -hmm. And so that stops her from doing things. And, And that was sort of like this clicking moment of like, I'm feeling all this guilt and all this shame about everything that's happening with my son, because people are putting that on me and I'm not saying anything because I don't want them to take away whatever service that they're providing. That's where my fear comes from, right? (laughs) This unrealistic response to something that's negative. And so I'm not saying this is unacceptable because I'm afraid they're going to tell my son he doesn't get speech anymore then. Right. And so it, it takes time to sort of dig all that stuff up, but those are the things that when you connect all of them, you realize like my anxiety, my guilt, my like anger, my like yelling at my kids when I know that they're just being kids, all of those are tied to things that I need to work out within myself. Exactly. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And that's such a great example, how that inner critic, inner guilt talk just keeps, and then external events can solidify that because we interpret it the way we interpret it because of our coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. And then in that situation where you froze, you know, and I'm sure there's other situations where you fight, but in that situation, because of your history and your past and the fear you know, so another flavor of anxiety and like, it is incredible how we unconsciously respond. Our nervous system has these responses because we're not in the present moment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, yeah, I feel for you. That had to be. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, it was. But, you know, I will say like, I was able to write a letter. We got him a different speech pathologist. He's in speech. It's all great. But it was like all of that processing, all of the 
support that we tend to not want to get from external people. Mm -hmm. I think especially as anxious, overachieving people, we want to just show that we have it all together. Right. And so in all of these sort of moments, I had to seek support from other people to push me in the direction of you need to fight this. Right. And it took a while and it it all worked out and it's great, but it, it really takes looking internally when you're feeling very overwhelmed and stuck. And I think we have a hard time as a society with that. I I do agree. And while we may not be able to solve the world's problems here today (laughs) in this episode, because as we're rounding up and there may not be a quick fix or like a, you know, one type of solution, but what you said and what I want to underscore and what Tia and I do promote all the time is that we can't do this alone, right? We, We can't do it alone. It and you just kept mentioning support, support, support. So whether it's getting a coach or joining a group or seeing a therapist, and I think that it is becoming more acceptable nowadays compared to when I had my son 23 years ago, there's more of it out there. Social media, number one, just really kind of promotes well-being, mental health and things like that. So that's amazing. There's the hope and the upside. And then we just all keep doing our work and we're there to help move people along. So I'm really, really grateful for what you do. And I think you're taking such a super creative approach to doing it, you know, in terms of creating your podcast. And like you said, if there's a binder someday, you know, (laughs) if my daughter does choose to have kids. I hope one day I will see when she leaves the hospital that she has a binder with a list in there of people she can contact. If not, we'll be calling you. Um, (laughs) So anyway, um, I'm really grateful that we had this conversation. It was very enlightening for me, for sure. Um, And we do end each of our podcasts with five rapid fire questions. (laughs) <laughs> yep. Are you ready for them? All right. You're not prepared for them. So, but they're fun. They're easy. So Tia, do you yeah, want to so just go with what your gut says, right? Don't overthink, right? Which is perfect. Don't overthink that we're talking about anxiety. So <laughs> what is the most prominent mask you wear, you know, perfectionism, whatever, what one shows up mostly for you? Oh, I guess strength is my first answer. Um, but I think that I just have it all together and I know exactly what I'm doing all the time. I think that that's my mask. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. If you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? Greece. Mm. Especially in summer. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. What is your favorite way to take care of yourself? I take a bath every morning and every night. <laughs> it's that how I start incredible. and end my day. Wow. That's awesome. You. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. What a commitment a long to, time to get there, but now it's like my days are all if I don't get that. I love that. You've made that yeah. beautiful. If you have a bucket list, what would be at the top of the list? Oh, one. Oh, cause I don't have a bucket list. Uh, and what's something you really want to do? It's 
something I really want to do. I really want to do a trip to like England, Ireland, Scotland, that whole area of the world. Nice. Yeah. And the last one, sometimes people have a hard time picking one, but we're going to invite you to try to pick one is uh, what's one book that changed your life? Oh, this is easy. (laughs) Um, It would be what happened to you. Mm. That's Oprah's book. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great book about trauma. Yeah. Awesome. See, you did really well. No need to be anxious about that. (laughs) So if our listeners wanted to find you, how would they find you? Yeah. So if anyone's in California and is looking for therapy specifically for postpartum or parenting or any of that, um, we're at uh, Rooted in Harmony Counseling or rihcounseling.com. My podcast is The New Mama Mentor. That's on all podcast streaming sites. And then I'll send you guys the link, but I have a free masterclass that I'm doing next week that is called How to Beat the Overwhelm and Control the Chaos in Motherhood. Wow, that's awesome. So I really loved having this conversation. Your energy is amazing and so grateful that we got to connect after all our little technology (laughs) snafus, snafus, what's that word? Yeah. In the beginning. So anyway, so grateful to have you on any last words of wisdom that you want to impart on the listeners. Yeah, actually I'll talk about one thing that you just said not too long ago, which is I always tell my clients, we can do everything. It's not that we can't, but we shouldn't have to. Mm. right because we feel like if we can't do everything then it's a sort of weakness we can definitely do it all that's not the question the question is whether or not we need to or have to and we don't love that wow what a great way to end that yeah yeah couldn't have summed (laughs) it up any better beautiful (laughs) any last words from you tia No, I just really appreciate this conversation and the work you're doing and starting to create, I mean, so many things, but really creating more conversation about finding support for new moms or pre-moms. I mean, it's such an important thing because we've been conditioned to think it's all just natural and easy. And then when we don't experience that, we think something's wrong with us. And so I think it's Mm -hmm. really great, the work you're doing. And I love how you took your experience and created a mission and a passion for that. So keep changing the world. I love it. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks everybody for listening. We hope that you have a great week and we'll see you next time on masks off. Thanks everyone. Bye.